We'll be reading all of Psalms 23, probably familiar to many of you, and I will do my best not to slip into King James-isms as I read this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my lives, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It is good to see each one of you this morning. Tonight is the night that our men's training class begins at about 4 p.m. this afternoon. This is for all able-bodied men, especially we're going to make an appeal to uh, those who are fathers and have sons, fathers, dads, sons, y'all come. Um, If you don't have a son, surely you have sons in the faith or you can develop those relationships together. But we are inviting all able-bodied men and even those who are, may not be able-bodied to come and to learn and to grow with us together as men of God. This evening, we're going to especially talk about our particular role as men and to give us some things that we're going to be practicing, some skills of, uh, that are going to be emphasized all throughout this class up until the end of March. And uh, commit to coming to each one of these that you possibly can. I know that you're going to be blessed, and I know that you're going to be a blessing to uh, those young men that are going to be there, and especially maybe learning these things for the first time. Maybe you're an old pro, and maybe you have something that you can contribute to the class, and absolutely come on. And uh, I know that it is that you'll be a blessing to uh, to all of us who are there and that are participating. That's 4 o'clock, and we're going to go till about 5.30. We won't do it all in one uh, chunk. We'll probably break it up into a couple of different ones, but again, uh, we're going to make it as interesting as we possibly can and also as helpful, practical, in uh, talking about uh, being the men of God and leading in the worship service. What is it about sheep? Why is it that God chose to use the illustration of sheep? You know, in a lot of places, if I were to call you and uh, talk to you as a, a, as a person, maybe on the street, and I were to say, you know what, you're just a sheep. <laughs> There's a lot of people that would take that derogatorily. They would take that in a derogatory manner because it's not necessarily a compliment to call somebody a sheep, is it? We know when we talk about politics, sometimes it is you'll be reading along or hearing a term that within politics that some people say, well, you know, you got to just listen to the sheeple. The sheeple are going to just follow anybody that blindly leads them. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or you're Republican. It doesn't matter if you're an independent or a libertarian. It doesn't matter because because you're all just sheeple and you're all just following somebody. And the idea is that that here's somebody that's going to blindly follow somebody because maybe they're towing a party line or maybe because they've got a personality. And you're looking at it and going, you know, they're talking about somebody that's brainless. It's not thinking for themselves. You know, there's a particular brand of electronics that if you talk about how they release a brand new uh, phone or device and, and there's people that will stand in line for hours and hours and hours and some that will camp out overnight in order to get one of those devices and they're called sometimes iSheep. I'm not going to tell you which brand it is, but maybe you can infer by, based upon that. You know, you're just following a brand. You're just, uh, you're just one that's, that's devoted to loyalty and you never really consider anything else. You know, our younger generation sometimes uses the term of sheep to talk about people that are, you know, if there's anything popular, 
If there's something popular, that person's going to hold on to that, and they're going to embrace that and you know, wear all the right clothes and wear all, say all the right things that, that, that are devoted to that brand. But whenever that brand ceases to be popular, that person then turns around and looks back and says, you know what? That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Or, or that, I can't believe that somebody would ever <laughs> involve themselves in that. That's a sheep. I kind of think about, you know, new kids on the block and my, from my generation, you know, how it was that they were really cool at one time and now not so much or later not so much. And then now suddenly they're getting popular again as I'm, you know, in my mid-40s. I don't understand it. You know, um, black sheep. You talk about somebody who's a black sheep within the family, and they're the person that, you know, that family's got that black sheep, that uh, brother that's maybe not, uh, uh, not well talked about or well liked or well appreciated or respected. We don't necessarily use the term sheep in positive connotations, do we? But the truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, is that all of us are sheep. All of us are sheep, and the Bible calls us that. And the Bible tells us what, uh, what it is that we are and why it is. And there's some truths that need to be acknowledged as we talk about our theme for this year, that I am a sheep. And I promise you I'm not going to beat a dead sheep. Uh, but I want you to understand that we need to introduce this to understand why it is that we've chosen this particular theme for the year. We mentioned last week that it's about identity. It's about me looking at myself and saying, this is who I am. It's about us community as the church of God, looking at ourselves and saying, we are the church of God. We are the flock of God. But it's also about our dependency upon the one who is the great shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 23 and verse 1. So this morning, three simple points, looking and considering why it is and what it is that it is about sheep that we need to be paying attention to. Number one, we ask the question, why sheep? Why sheep? And the answer simply is because the Bible is going to make that comparison. In a number of different passages, in a number of different places, the Lord uses the illustration himself. Micaiah, speaking in the, uh, to Zedekiah in 1 Kings chapter 22 and verse 17, and giving him a prophetic speech, he says, Then I said, Then I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep who had no shepherd. You know, Matthew attributes this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to Jesus, looking at the people of Israel there on the mountainside and, and having compassion on them because he saw them as sheep not having a shepherd. He compares the people without somebody to lead them as sheep without a shepherd. First Chronicles 20, uh, 21, verse 17, David said to God, you remember that David got in trouble because it was that he numbered the people. God told the kings, listen, you don't ever number the people. I don't want you to depend on that military strength and that might. I don't want you to feel like you need to puff yourself up because you got the numbers. Instead, what David did was he went ahead and he numbered the people. And God came back and said, now it is you're going to be punished because of this. Your people are going to be punished. And David says, 1 Chronicles 21, verse 17, Was it not I who commanded the people to be numbered? And I am the one who's done this and done evil indeed. But these sheep, what have they done? Speaking about the people of Israel and saying, you know what? They're helpless. They're just people. They're your sheep. They're, they're, they're ones that can't defend themselves. You know, Jesus in John 10 spends an extensive amount of time in the book of John talking about the fact that he is the good shepherd. John 10 verse 15, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. The Bible calls us that. That's what we are. And so it is, as we look at this, why sheep, we also can say, because it's a simple and it's really a fitting illustration. 
It's a simple and fitting illustration. You know, it's not an animal that's been extinct for 2,000 years. It's not an animal that we today in America 2019 can't look at and say, you know what, I have no idea what that is. I don't know that animal. I don't know how it works. I don't know its, its environment or its domain. Sheep are, uh, are all over the world. And it's something that somebody from any culture can look at and say, yeah, I get that. It's a simple and fitting illustration. When it was that God sent Nathan the prophet to go and convince uh, uh, the uh, King David about his sin with Bathsheba, you remember that he sent and Nathan, using wisdom, uses a parable. And he talks about this man who has this one little ewe lamb, this little sheep. Oh, and can you imagine how that pulled at David's heartstrings? One who had spent many years and, and maybe decades just taking care of his father's sheep and, and caring for those little lambs and realizing how, much, how dear that was to him that he had an animal that he loved like his own child. It's a simple and fitting illustration. Psalm 23 has brought comfort to people all over the world, all over the years, especially in times of loss, in times of stress, in times of difficulty. You can always go back to Psalm 23 and read those famous words, The Lord is my shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I understand it's a simple and it's a fitting illustration that God uses. I also understand why sheep, because brothers and sisters, we cannot deny the fact that we belong to a flock. Flocks can be included with other flocks. In fact, in parts of the world where uh, uh, sheep herding and sheep uh, raising uh, are, are common, Sometimes what the shepherds will do is lead them all into a common room and, and mix all these different flocks together and then close the door on the night so that the animals won't, won't get them and they know that all their sheep are, are contained within this pen. But in the morning, the shepherds will come out and they'll open the pen and they'll begin to call their sheep. And as the sheep hear the voice, they're going to follow their shepherd because they know that they belong to one particular shepherd. They're not going to listen to the voice of a stranger. They're not going to listen to the voice of somebody who's unfamiliar to them. And brothers and sisters, as we follow the voice of Jesus, as we hear His words, as we have people that stand before us and preach and teach the gospel, as we look at what God has said, do we hear the voice of the Lord speaking through His word? And do we follow faithfully as His flock? We belong to Him. Ezekiel 34 verse 31, God says, you are my flock, the flock of my pasture. You are my men and I am your God, says the Lord God. Brothers and sisters, we belong together because we belong to the Lord. There's a community aspect to being a sheep and realizing that we're part of this community. I like this one. <laughs> Why sheep? Because of individual personalities. Because of individual personalities. I didn't realize this, but sheep can be as different from each other as individuals can. You can have sheep that are very playful. You can have sheep that are stubborn. You can have sheep that are fully compliant, that are submissive. You can have sheep that are caring for one another. There are sheep that are nurturing. There's individual personality traits that come about from these different animals. You can look at them and say, well, they all look the same to me, but as you spend time with them and as you talk to, or as you spend time with them as a shepherd or, or you spend time in the pasture, you can begin to see the tendencies of those animals. Yeah, we're trying to raise a dog right now and we got a nine-month-old puppy and he's as different as he can be from our dog that we had previously. And as a puppy, you know, I see sometimes when I can tell him, Rocky, sit, and he'll just look at me and he'll go, I'm not doing that. 
and he'll sniff his nose at me, you know, saying, I would much rather do anything else than do what you say to me. He's a stubborn dog. You know, and you look at animals and you can see those things, but God can see those things in us. In fact, the brothers and sisters, God doesn't create cookie-cutter Christians. We're not cookie-cutter sheep. But it is that with your individual personality and with your traits and with maybe your stubbornness or your playfulness or your, your outgoingness or your introvertedness, God can use you and your particular personality to glorify himself in your life. We're individuals. But brethren, we're part of community. But God uses our individuality for his glory as we live our lives. Why sheep? Because of all these reasons and possibly more than maybe you've thought of. Well, let's move on. Number two, we ask the question, what about the tendencies of sheep? What do sheep tend to do? They tend to wander. Psalm 119, verse 176, the psalmist said, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not commit your commandments. In the famous passage in Isaiah 53, talking about Jesus in verse 6, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, speaking of the Messiah, the iniquity of us all. Brothers and sisters, we have a tendency without shepherding, without, uh, without somebody to lead us, we have a tendency to wander. You ever realize, you ever wonder why it is that we have worship services every single week? On the first day of the week, Acts 20 and verse 7, we are gathered together like the example of all the generations that have gone before of the church. We're gathered together for the first day of the week. Why do we do that? You know, the Jews only had to come together three times a year in the old, under the old law. You know what? But they still gather together once a week. They gather together on the Sabbath so that they could reflect on the Lord and on His goodness. You know why I think? Part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing this morning and singing the praises and offering our prayers and, and remembering the death and burial of our Lord and, and giving of our means and hearing his word preached, it's because of this reason right here, because we have a tendency to wander. We get together, brothers and sisters, so that we can be reminded of the greatness of our shepherd and the needs that we have and the commonality of our being sheep. And we come together to remind us who we are and that every single day I'm living for the Lord. And every single day this is who I am. I have this identity as a humble sheep of God to go out and to live for Him because I belong to Him. We remember the death and burial of our Lord not one time, not two times a year, but we do every week because that's what the early disciples did. That's the divine pattern. But you ever think about the idea that we can forget the goodness of God without Markers without things like this, like gathering around the Lord's table. We're forgetful. We sometimes have a tendency to forget. And that's what the Hebrews writer cautioned in Hebrews chapter 2 and saying, we have to give the more earnest things we, uh, to the things, or more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. You know what? People don't wake up one morning and decide, I'm done being a Christian. People don't wake up one morning and say, that's it, I'm through. You know what happens? Over the course of time, you begin to miss occasions like this where we gather around the throne of God and offer Him our worship. And the more that becomes common, the more we start substituting other things. And before too long, we're far away from God and we don't know how we got there. We don't want to drift away. We don't want to be forgetful as 2 Peter chapter 1 talks about. We want to remember who we are. 
Because like sheep, brothers and sisters, we have a tendency to wander. We need times like our midweek Bible class where we come together as his people and sit down around an open Bible and study about who he is and study about what his word says about who we're supposed to be. We need times like that. We need times in our own personal life where we gather our families, where we sit as individuals with an open Bible in front of us, with an open heart ready to receive his word because we have a tendency to wander. We have a tendency, as sheep do, oblivious to dangers. <laughs> We're often oblivious to dangers. Jesus warned in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 5, or Matthew 7, verse 15, excuse me, should be 7, 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. We could be oblivious to somebody who's coming in and trying to teach something that's not right. Second Peter chapter 2 deals with a lot of that. Hebrews 13, verse 17 talking about our relationship to our elders and saying that we need to obey those who rule over you and be submissive because why? They watch out for your souls. You know, in the church government and the way that God has structured, he's structured it with elders over a local congregation. And you know what? Sometimes we can get kind of fed up with the elders and we can kind of start to speak ill against them and say, man, why is it that they're taking so long and trying to get us a simple decision? We just want to know, you know, let's let's go ahead. Let's move forward. I brought this to them a month ago or two months ago. You know what? Those elders take those things seriously and they want to make sure that they're not missing as shepherd something that maybe we can easily miss in our haste. <laughs> I'll tell you what, preachers are sometimes the worst about that because we see maybe things that ought to be and we say, you know what, it's time to go and we got to get this doing done. You take that to the elders and the elders say, well, let's be patient about that. It's not because they don't think it's a good idea. It's not because they, uh, they just want to shut down anything. It's because they're looking and they're trying to see what would be best, not only for the flock of God, but also the individual sheep. There's wisdom there and trusting in God's shepherds because... Brothers and sisters, we can be oblivious to dangers. We can be oblivious to dangers and get ourselves in some really dangerous situations. Matthew 18 and verse 12, Jesus said, you know, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go into the mountains and seek the one that's straying? You know, here's a sheep that can't get out of this problem by himself. And as we see him speaking of this in a parable form and talking about us as individuals and talking about mankind and how the sinners and tax collectors were gathering to eat with him, Luke 15, 1 and 2. And he's looking at these people and saying, here's lost sheep. I'm going to care for them. I'm going to show them the way to come home. I'm going to bring them home because that's what the good shepherd does. Sheep can't necessarily get out of dangerous situations by themselves. Matthew 12, verse 11, he said to them, What man of you among there who has one sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not lay hold of it and lift it out? There's times when all of us need help. There's times when all of us get in problems and situations that we can't necessarily get out of ourselves. There's an accountability there in the people of God. But there's also an understanding, brothers and sisters, that God who works in us and works through us can also be a blessing to those people that are in those difficult situations. Galatians 6 talks about the fact that, uh, brethren, if one of you is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. We should help one another and we should strengthen one another. We should lift one another up whenever it is that we've fallen. Because sometimes it is. Like Jude says, 
we have to grab somebody that's in a sinful situation and we should snatch them out of the fire. There's a responsibility there because there's some people, there's some sheep that left to themselves may drift away, may get in dangers that they can't help and they can't do anything about or feel like they can't. And all of us sometimes need our help. Last one this morning, the needs of sheep. The needs of sheep. There are illnesses that are common to all sheep. There are bugs and parasites that, if left untreated, will cause the sickness and the death of these animals. Things that will rob the sheep of its health. There are common diseases and common difficulties. No matter if you're a shepherd in America, no matter if you're a shepherd in England, no matter if you're a shepherd in the Middle East, there's things that are common. I can't help but think of 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. There's no temptation that's overtaken you except as common to man. When I think about my temptations, and I think about your temptations, there's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon would say. There's no new temptations today that weren't around 2,000 or 4,000 years ago. There's no new sins that have been committed or that are uh, being invented every single day that we have to worry about. Now, please don't misunderstand me. There is new packaging for those sins. Some of the things that we deal with as far as our temptations go may not necessarily have been a problem a generation or five generations or 20 generations ago. But as we look at the way that we're tempted, they're the exact same ways and the illnesses are common to all of us. How it is that the Bible gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things that pertain to life and godliness. It doesn't matter if we're living in the first century or the 21st century. We have all things that are common to us. Temptations. And there's not going to be tempted by anything new, new packaging, but the same stuff. Lust, anger, fear, fornication, gossip. All of those things have been common to humanity all the way back from the very first sin. But you know what? The beauty of God's word is it gives us the remedy for all of those things. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. There's illnesses that are common to all of us. Needs of sheep. Sheep have to be moved for survival. Sheep have to be moved for their survival. I never thought about this before. But it is that you get a past flock that grazes in a pasture. You can't leave that flock there in that same pasture because over time they're going to eat all the grass and they're not going to be, well, they're going to starve because there's no more grass to eat. There's no nourishment. And so it is that the shepherd has to move them and they rotate around to different pastures so that that is that they can come back around maybe a year, maybe two years later to that same pasture and they can graze that all over again. When you look at the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, you're looking at a group of people that are wanting to give up and they're wanting to drift away, as we talked about earlier. And one of the things that the Hebrew writer mentions and the one of the things that he condemns is he said, by this time you want to be teachers, but you have somebody come to need to you to teach you again the elementary principles of the oracles of God, or the first principles of the oracles of God. You've come to need milk again and not solid food. There's a danger in churches beginning to retread the same ground over and over and over and over again and not be moved from here to there so that the sheep can grow. Now, please don't misunderstand. 
I'm not talking about moving away from the Word of God. Absolutely not. A thousand times no. I am talking about moving on so that it is that I don't have to keep asking the same questions over and over and over with regard to miracles so that I don't have to begin to be taught again and again and again about the plan of salvation, about how it is that I'm saved by grace and how that grace manifests itself in faith and obedience and how it is that I live my life every single day for Jesus Christ. I ought to be moving and growing beyond that. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. Grow, sincerely desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. There's a danger in retreading the same ground over and over and over. There's a danger, brothers and sisters, in all of us being spiritually malnourished. Because we're doing that again and again and again, or because we decide to close our Bible and leave it on a shelf somewhere and just assume that we're going to get it somehow. That's not what God wants it to be. That's not where our good shepherd is leading us. So it is. We also know that the needs of sheep is that sheep need a good shepherd. Sheep need a good shepherd. It's easy for us to know when we're in good hands, isn't it? Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You're in good hands with all state. You have insurance companies that absolutely want you to make sure that you're comfortable and that you know that you're going to be taken care of the way that you ought to. When was the last time we looked at the Lord and said, here's the Lord and he is worthy of my trust. He is worthy of my confidence. He is worthy of my obedience. He is worthy because he is a good shepherd. And I know that even though it may be that I have my own wants and my own wills and my own wishes, and I know the way that I think my life ought to go, I'm still going to trust in Him even whenever it is that it's hard. Even whenever it is that I have this job that I absolutely don't like, I'm going to trust in Him. Even when it is that I'm having a marriage that's undergoing difficulties and problems, you know what? I'm going to trust in Him. I'm going to keep on following Him. I'm going to keep on treating that spouse and loving my wife like Christ loved the church and wife submitting to her husband just like the church does to Christ, Ephesians chapter 5. Even whenever it's hard, I'm going to continue to follow and continue to obey and continue to trust every single day because I trust my shepherd. I know that he's going to lead me to the best possible places. You know, being a shepherd means marking out dangers. Don't go here. Don't do this. Do this. And even looking at a sheep and saying, well, within the context of the church, this sheep is sick. This sheep needs some serious attention. This sheep, if they're left to themselves, they're just going to die. And part of that, even when we talk about church discipline and withdrawal of a fellowship, part of that is taking that sheep and putting it outside so it is that that sheep can understand that they're in quarantine. Not that we don't love them, but the fact that we can't let this spread to the rest of the flock. There's an understanding that sheep will trust a good shepherd. Sheep are going to hear their good shepherd. You're listening and hearing and recognizing the shepherd's authentic voice. You know, John 10 verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they followed me. One man observed that there was uh, they observed this principle about how the shepherds would call their sheep out, and he asked one of the shepherds, and he said, "Listen, you know, how is it that uh, the sheep hear your voice?" And he said, "Well, they hear and they follow. They know me as a good shepherd." And he said, "Well, they just follow anybody." He said, "Not unless they're sick." So what happens when a sheep gets sick is that they begin to want to follow just anybody. 
And so it is that, brothers and sisters, we get sick sheep that stop looking at the Word of God and stop growing the way that they ought to. And you know what they're going to do? And they're going to start listening to false teachers. They're going to start listening to people in the world with regard to worldly philosophies and worldly ways. But it is that if we continue to follow the Good Shepherd, and we're going to spend some time talking about that this year, we're going to trust Him, we're going to grow in our relationship with Him and in our appreciation for the flock of God. You ever play the game as a child in the car? Maybe you play it with your kids, Who Am I? Where you pick maybe a famous person and you begin to ask questions about that famous person uh, to say, okay, were you one of the presidents? And yes, I was. And, and then you begin to try and narrow down so that you can try and pinpoint somebody's identity by that. You know, people every day are trying to pinpoint us by our identity. And they're trying to look and say, Andy, you're a preacher. Andy, you're a father. Andy, you're a husband. Andy, you're a minister. Andy, you're, you know, whoever it is that you are. And we take some of those titles and we adopt some of those titles and we treat those titles with dignity sometimes. And we treat those titles important. All those things, you know, may absolutely be true. And sometimes it's true that we may not necessarily be proud of some of the titles we wear. But one answer that we should always give, one answer that should be important to us. When somebody says, who are you? We can always answer and say, I'm a sheep and the Lord is my shepherd. You know, if somebody in the world was, was to say, Andy, do you really want to be a sheep? That doesn't have any bearing on the situation. You know why? Because I'm a sheep whether I want to be or not. The question is, who is my shepherd? The question is, who am I following? The question is, who am I trusting and who am I obeying? Maybe it is that you're a person this morning that recognizes that you are a sheep, but you also recognize that you are not a Christian. What that means is that you are a sheep outside of the flock of God. One man went to inspect his flocks one day, and he looked at his, his pasture, and he looked at his sheep, and they're, you know, they're well-fed, and he's looking and checking on them. And he look, glances across the fence, and he sees a pasture that's been eaten over a thousand times. And there are thin sheep, and he can see without even having to look very hard that there's some sheep over here that have some very serious ailments. They've got some diseases. There are some that have got mange and there are some of them that have got parasites that he can see just crawling all over these animals. And they're fed, they're, mal they're malnourished, and they're, they're, they're just dying over here in this other pasture. And he looks at it and he says, there's a pasture of a person who doesn't care for their sheep. But you know what? Brothers and sisters, if you're in that pasture, where it is that you feel like you have to solve all your own problems, where you have to rely on your own ingenuity, where it is that you're serving the prince of the power of the air. He's not a good shepherd. That's not a good state to be in. But the good news is, by Jesus Christ, the fence is down. The fence is down between this pasture and between that pasture. And you don't have to stay in that pasture over there, being malnourished, being mistreated, being underfed, being diseased by sin. But it is through Jesus Christ you can come over and you can be part of the flock of God. 
It is that Jesus Christ said it is through faith, repentance, and New Testament water baptism that you can become a part of the flock of God, that you can say every day, I am a sheep and the Lord is my shepherd. I know he's going to care for me. I know he's going to take care of me no matter what this life gives me, even though it is that I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I know that he's with me. I know that his rod and his staff are going to comfort me and take care of me. And I know he's leading me as the shepherd to the best of possible places. The fence is down. You can come and you can be a part of that this morning. Let's stand and sing our invitation song.